Welcome to Tad Dickel's Leadership and Strategy Podcast, bringing you authentic conversations with leaders about their approach to leadership and their organization's strategy for success. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Strategy Podcast. This is your host, Tad Dickel, and I'm joined today with Kathy Shetland from Old National Bank. Welcome, Kathy. I'm happy to have you here. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. If you wouldn't mind, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, I attended the University of Southern Indiana, uh, majored in communications with an emphasis in interpersonal communications and public relations and a minor in business. Um, and I had the the good fortune while I was at USI to do an internship for the American Red Cross. And um, it was just perfect time in my life, um, you know, really looking for some fulfillment and uh, probably not a better place to work than the Red Cross. And so I was there for 14 years. I had uh, various positions. When I left the organization, I was in charge of disaster response for the state of Indiana and then also public relations and the, the various responsibilities here at the local chapter. I loved the experience, absolutely loved it. Really had no desire to leave and actually had received a call from a headhunter at Old National Bank. And I have to tell you, I kind of laughed at the time and I, I said, well, I actually don't even balance my checkbook, so I really don't think you want me to work at a bank. And I said, well, that's not what we're interested in. But I said, thank you, but I think I'm going to have to pass. Well, as time went on, when you're doing disaster response for the state of Indiana, there was no holiday, no vacation. It was just constant. And I realized emotionally and physically I was becoming exhausted. And then I received the call again from the headhunter. And I thought, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I'd never been through an interview process because I started my career right from college at the Red Cross. And so I came in, I interviewed with a lot of different people. And, you know, being from Evansville, Indiana, there are certain places when you're young, you think about, oh boy, that would be somewhere I'd love to work. And obviously the reputation of Old National Bank has always been stellar. You know, I met with the various leaders and then my last interview was with Bob Jones. It was funny because I thought either... This went really well or really bad because it was all of 15 minutes, but I really connected with him, especially his philosophy around culture. Then he offered me the position, and I have been here now for 18 years, which is like, wow, time flies. I'll be honest. It was interesting. I'm not a, super, I'm not a risk taker, really, to have that jump. I will tell you, for about six months after I joined the company, I was terrified. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to learn banking. And, you know, all the things around it. But it's really interesting when I interviewed for the job, you know, I, I said, I don't know anything about banking. And Bob said, well, you know what? I want you to wake up every morning, just worry about the communities we serve. And I'm like, well, I already do that. And so I haven't looked back. It has been a phenomenal career change. I'm still very connected with the Red Cross. But yeah, it's been a great opportunity. One of my favorite parts about this podcast is it gives me an opportunity to have conversations with leaders I admire, and so it's it's really good to be with you today. And I know that Bob, I've been at several workshops. He's sometimes spoken in classes I've taught. He often brings up your name, so oh, I, I think yes. that... He's a wonderful man and led with compassionate leadership. He's still very connected with the bank. And what's really neat about even the leadership transition, you know, Jim Ryan, who's the CEO now, I've had the pleasure of really growing up in the organization with him. 
And, you know, obviously Bob being our leader for so long. And so it was a natural transition. And Jim has some of the um, similar traits, but obviously has his own leadership style. And uh, it's just awesome to watch him. He is, he's just a remarkable leader. And so, you know, this, this company is truly blessed. That's great. Thank you for, for sharing that, Kathy. What would you say has been your approach to leadership and maybe even talk about how that's evolved? Because as, like at Red Cross, you were really leading and serving, mm-hmm. you know, uh, multiple communities. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're at Old National Bank, which over the course of the last 18 years has grown the, uh, the footprint right. significantly. So yeah. talk about like your approach to leadership and then maybe also how it's, how it's evolved over that time. I have been so blessed in terms of the opportunities that have been presented to me. When I started out my career at the Red Cross, I just had a wonderful leader and has been my lifelong mentor, Trish DeVoy. And she was a female executive director at the time when there were very few. And she had great confidence, but very much a compassionate leader. And so I just watched every move she made. And she was such a wonderful leader in making sure that she would elevate others. And it was all about the people that surrounded her. Uh, And she took great joy in that. And so I really tried to model her. And the fact that that was the start of my career, she was a workaholic. um, So I don't know if that's good or bad because I feel (laughs) like work is 24-7, but that's my choice. That has been fantastic. And I think that starting my career in the nonprofit world, it was a need that you had to be compassionate in your leadership style. And so bringing that to to banking, I think, is very important. And really celebrating the people that surround you. And there's certain philosophies that I have in terms of leadership. I hope I'm a compassionate leader that that actually leads with love, support, and care. At least I try to do that each and every day. You know, there's, there's simple things like I believe, you know, words do matter and the small things can have a big impact. And then I also try to stay positive. Boy, in the last three years, it would be very easy to not, but I think it's it, how you can impact the people surround you by the very small things in life is just super impactful. So I, I try to be super thoughtful in that respect. Mm-hmm. Part of your responsibility is for is on culture for the mm-hmm. bank. So how would you describe the culture here? And then what are like intentional things that have been done to really build that mm-hmm. over the time? That's a great question. Now it's been about a year and a half, two years ago that we announced um, the most significant partnership in Old Nationals history. So we doubled in size with an organization called First Midwest out of Chicago. And so from the onset, we realized how critical culture was going to be. It has, you know, significant impact in everything. You know, Jim Ryan and uh, Carrie Elsperman, who uh, is also a colleague, and myself, we all sat down and said, you know, we have to be really thoughtful. So we actually engaged a partner, Hydrogen Struggles, um, who has a great reputation in terms of culture shaping. And so we've been super intentional for the last two years. We started with the leadership team, convened them. We, talked, we went through mission, vision, values, identified what that looks like. We engaged our team members in that. Um, we actually have culture champions that are going through training. We right now are in the process of educating our next level leaders in different themes and activities and things of that nature and making sure that we push that down. Then also Jim has a a weekly email that's sent out and we really reflect on those that emulate our our values and and things of that nature. So it is very intentional work. 
We're very thoughtful about that, and we feel it's critical to the organization and its success. And we just completed, we do surveys, so we want to measure like how we're doing in terms of that culture work. And so we're seeing, you know, growth and progress, which is always great. And then I think we had this conversation, Tad, earlier about the, per- the importance of being present. And so while the travel can be challenging, we are in our markets a lot and really engaged with our team members and making sure that, you know, they're in a comfortable place, they're doing well and thoughtful in terms of physical and mental wellness, which is another one of our priorities. Right. I'm glad you brought up that that merger piece, because one of the things that I think most companies think about as they prepare for mergers and acquisitions are really like more of like, how do they optimize efficiency? How do they create more operational success, more profit, Mm -hmm. maybe move into new markets, but it's that people and culture side that Mm -hmm. I might argue is the hardest part, Mm -hmm. that merging two cultures into one that you want it to be is so critical. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was at a, the the Family Business Alliance, they had a program a couple weeks ago about um, M&As, and that was one of the, the takeaways I had from that, that the, the successful mergers and acquisitions, they were really careful about, first of all, selecting mm-hmm. acquisitions that were going to be yes. good cultural fits. And then there was a very intentional effort to, to build then a, a collective culture. Mm-hmm. I, that's critical. I will tell you that any of the partnerships, and to your point, I've almost lost track. So I think we've had 17, and we call them partnerships not acquisitions, because we're literally partnering with another institution or even thoughtful about words. But one of the priorities is in terms of people. It's all about the people. Are we going to fit? Are our cultures aligned? And so that literally is our number one priority. And I will tell you that we've gone down a, a couple paths and we stopped because it just wasn't a good cultural fit. And then in terms of, you know, after the partnership, really at the point of the announcement, it's really about starting to make sure those cultures align. And I will tell you, like I said, we're two years into it and it doesn't stop. I mean, that you could just like, okay, now we're done. We're good. Nope. It continues. And we are just super thoughtful, intentional because we want to make sure that, you know, obviously our team members are proud to work here. They believe in the values and that they emulate those. So that's just critically important to us. Right, right. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I I just think that's really key for leaders to think about as they grow a business, and especially if they want to go that M&A route, that to really think about finding the right fit and then being intentional, and the work never ends. It never ends. And, you know, I have to tell you, especially in the banking industry, there's been some failures in respect to culture. We want to be that partner that, other institutions want to partner with, you know, that work, that will never change. I'm honored to, to kind of lead the culture work with some amazing partners that my team members are fantastic. So it's really a pleasure and an honor. Great. You mentioned, so when you first started with the Red Cross, there was a female executive director in that role. And at the time, there probably weren't a lot of executive directors in this area that were female. How would you say, like, being a, a woman, being a leader, has, how, has your, how has your gender, like, influenced your leadership? That's a really good question. You know, like I said, it was wonderful to watch Trish because while she had confidence, she had a lot of empathy. 
Um, and she was someone that was so confident with herself that she kind of pushed me forward and always wanted me to be one in the front, uh, which I wasn't necessarily comfortable to do. But with time, you know, I started to get more comfortable with that. So I had to have so much gratitude and appreciation to her. And then, you know, I transitioned to Old National Bank. And it's so interesting. A lot of people ask me about, you know, being a female in banking or being a female as a leader. And honestly, I've always felt like I've had a seat at the table. I've always been treated with tremendous dignity and respect. Everyone knows that my thinking style is a little different in terms of empathy, compassion, things of that nature. I'm, and that's what's the beauty about, right, leadership is there's individuals that are more analytical. I also have this urgency level, high <laughs> on the charts of urgency. I think that's something as well in, in terms of there could be benefit to that and sometimes not so much. I've just really been blessed. I, I really felt like I've always had at the seat, seat at the table and I've always been treated with respect and just super great, uh, grateful for that. And I do the same with others that surround me. Sure. And I think that, that piece of like diversity of we want, we want to think about diversity in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of ethnicity and belief. Those are all very important things, and I probably left out several off the list, not intentionally. But also, I think that cognitive diversity piece, like finding a people around a table that think differently. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine probably, um, I might be stereotyping bankers, but a lot of them are probably very like quantitative and yeah. analytical in their thinking. And so the perspective you bring is really valuable. Yeah, I think there's so much value to diversity of thought and thinking styles. And I think Jim has done a wonderful job in assembling a leadership team that has that. A lot of diversity in thought and thinking style and deeply respected among each other. So it's okay to come to the table and have a different view or perspective or idea or thought. And it's welcome and encouraged. Um, And so I just think that makes a better organization. Mm -hmm. One of your key roles, too, is communication. (laughs) For the, for the bank. And I would say in my consulting work, almost every organization I work with, if you ask them what are the top three issues, mm-hmm. probably one, one of the top three is going to be communication. Yeah. What would you say are like tips for communicating well as a, as a leader and throughout organizations? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> communication, <laughs> communication is critical. Transparency. I mean, it, it that is just number one critical. And, and obviously, transparency at the right time, sometimes whether it be organizational changes or whatever that might look like, you know, being respectful and thoughtful and in the communication, we always put together communication plans. I mean, whatever it might be, whether it be a minor kind of change or anything of that nature, we'll put together plans so we can put down on paper to be really thoughtful of how that communication will flow. So making sure, you know, our philosophy, it's always internal first, always, no matter what happens. Making sure that we really are thoughtful. We spend a lot of time building that communication plan. And I I think that's just critical, just the transparency. And then also thinking about what that communication looks like. So when does it need to be an email? When should it be in person? When should it be on Teams? When should it be, you know, so really just really be being thoughtful in terms of thinking through what that communication looks like. Mm -hmm. I I like that approach, being very intentional about communication. It's easy as a leader for Mm -hmm. us to assume people know things or to assume somebody else is communicating the information. 
And so I like that approach of like, and, and it's probably even more important as you grow as an organization yes. to say, okay, here's the change mm-hmm. or here's what's going on that needs to be communicated. How are we communicating? Who's communicating it? Yes. And when, I mean, all of those details are, are essential. And, you know, as we were talking about thinking styles too, how are people going to receive it? So think about the nature of the different thinking styles. So a lot of times we'll draft a communication and we'll have various people look at it to get different perspectives on how it's received. So again, how you do it, what you say, timing, all of that is just critically important. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up the part about how different people perceive things differently. Mm -hmm. So sometimes some people... I always think like email, people may read into right. communication versus whether it's communicated in person and mm-hmm. what kind of communication are they going to read in extra information and just mm-hmm. that's, um, I, I like that approach. Yeah, I think it's important. It's just like when, you know, you 10 communications and you still haven't resolved or 10 emails, and you still haven't resolved something. I'm like, let's just pick up the phone. Right. I mean, you know, so just really just being thoughtful in that nature. So, yeah, communication is is critical. Mm-hmm. Most companies would say that they're struggling with talent, mm-hmm. you know, hiring talent, uh, retaining talent. Mm-hmm. How is how has Old National Bank approached that in recent years with with the labor shortage that most companies are experiencing? You know, uh, we've been really fortunate. Uh, we have pretty strong retention. I, gosh, if you look at the leadership team, I mean, we have some leaders that have been here for thirty plus years, um, and so we've been very fortunate in that respect. You know, I think culture again is just a really huge component of it. We've actually been very fortunate. We brought on some really new significant talent in some of our like RM roles and some of it, so relationship manager roles in Salesforce and things of that nature. And in some of our growth markets, um, I think some of it is, you know, people talk to other leaders of the company or like one leader who joined the leadership team a couple years ago. He's always like, you know, I, I thought for a while this is too good to be true, but as I'm here longer, this is it. This is a real thing. And so he's been one of our best recruiters in Minnesota um, and bringing some other team members on for other, from other organizations. So, I, you know, I think people, um, you know, look and watch and um, you know, word of mouth. Um, we've just had a lot of opportunities come forth based on that. That being said, you know, in some of the support roles where, you know, from technology, things of that nature, obviously that's something that, you know, we're always recruiting for. So, while we have some challenges, I will tell you that we definitely hear from our clients the challenges, especially, you know, from a labor market and those that are in the industrial field and such, that obviously they're having challenges in, in terms of recruitment and also retention. But for the most part, we've been pretty fortunate as an organization. Mm-hmm. And that's where the key, the, the key reason we want to focus on culture mm-hmm. is, I'm sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's largely to keep the workforce engaged to keep them retained i mean that that's a big benefit of having a strong company culture that yeah. and and i think it's also really key to recognize for employers to that all of the employees you how many how many employees are that are there at old national we have over 4000 yeah 4000 yeah. like yeah. every single one of those people <laughs> is telling their right. network of people what it's like to work at old yes. national bank and so like everyone really could be a, a great promoter yes. of mm-hmm. Old National Bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, so it's it's just really important. And, and that's where, as we continue to grow, it's harder and harder, right? So 
you know, my goodness, we're in seven states. That's why we try to, to you know, be present as much as possible so we can understand and the environment and why you, you know, get past headquarters location. It's really important that that culture continues to, to be the same, um, but harder to manage. So, again, we just make it a priority. Sure, sure. With the merger, mm-hmm. Did the leadership team then become kind of like combined? Yes. Is that? Yes, we did. We did. Um, so we have actually, we have leaders throughout our footprint. Majority are in Evansville and Chicago. Okay. Um, but we also have a leader in Wisconsin and also Minnesota. Okay. And I think that's great because obviously, you know, they can help support those markets mm-hmm. uh, from a leadership perspective. Um, but yes, so we have um, we have what we call dual headquarter locations here in Evansville, obviously, which is the primary, and then also in Chicago, a building called Triangle. So uh, we have significant presence in Chicago for sure. How have you then, like, what what things have have occurred to really build a cohesive team? Because mm-hmm. you have the team here, then you had an yeah. existing team. You've probably brought in some new people. Yes. Uh, actually, you know, the first year, really just at the point of the announcement is really when we started that partnership with Hydrogen Struggles. So we did a lot of offsites, and, you know, just started with getting to know each other, just under, understanding backgrounds, beliefs, thoughts. We had several two-day offsite um, culture building exercises that we went through, you know, again, built our mission, vision, values, very thoughtful in that approach. We have what we call ELT meetings on a regular basis. And, you know, we just spend a lot of time together because, you know, getting to know each other personally, I think is, you know, really important as we continue to lead the company. Uh, again, we're very thoughtful in how we continue that. So it's interesting. We're just getting ready to plan another offsite. So that culture shaping never stops. It never ceases. And we have a couple new people. So it's like, okay, we need to make sure that they're part of that process. We go through that process together again. And so we're just planning on another offsite later this year. Yeah, those offsite meetings are really critical. They are. Especially when you have people that aren't even physically located yes. together. And, and so you almost have to carve that time out to make sure there's relationship building, culture building, probably strategy, uh, at, all formulation. Of well, and if you think about it, you know, I'm I'm with, with my work family more than my family. Those relationships, you know, it's it's interesting. In someone just recently that we were um, interviewing some candidates, and and we actually talk about love a lot. We're very open. Like I love the people that surround me. They would do anything for me. I would do anything for them. Jim actually his emails every Friday in with love, care, and support. Um, and um, the individual, the candidate was like, I have never heard of a company talk about love more than I have in my interview process here. And I'm like, boy, if we don't love each other, then there's a problem because I'm with them. I'm with the people that surround me more than I am with my own family. So, you know, that's just, again, that's, I think you lead with love. And I think that really has a tremendous impact. Sure, sure. You know, you you mentioned like, Really intensive travel now. Yeah. You mentioned spending more time with your work family than your your family at home. Yeah. Like how how have you taken care of yourself? Because every time I see you, you you're very positive. You're really polished, put together. How would you, how would you describe like that self care piece? Or how do you avoid burnout? Oh, that's funny, Tad. 
Uh, <laughs> because I don't always feel put together and polished. <laughs> so, you know, that's a good question that, you know, we have the benefit of talking to a lot of young people and, and serving as mentors in, in different different programs and such. And, uh, you know, I don't know that there's tons of self-care, um, but you just figure out life as you go along, right? And I think that Life can provide lots of challenges, and it's funny. Last year, we had what we called a summit, brought everybody together, and everything from COVID to the partnership, which was huge. Then you had economic challenges in the industry, and I mean, just it just felt like one thing after social unrest, and and so uh, one of the themes was doing hard well. We kind of joke that we figured out we just do hard really well. And I don't know that I really want to do hard well. I would like to do easy, but I don't think that's an option. Um, just the world we live in. And so, you know, I think it's just a really honestly trying to stay positive, you know, getting up every day and just realizing that you can have, by what you say, what you do, the, the things that you do can have an impact on someone else and that you never know what another person is experiencing. I think that has been something that um, in the last three years we've become super thoughtful about just the mental health issues that face our uh, environment and the individuals and you just you just don't know um, you know I and I'm very open and candid as I've gotten older um, you know I'm very open with challenges that I've had in my life and I've always had anxiety and it I just it's self-care I've just tried to figure it out but I'm just very open about challenges that I face because I think it helps other people and knowing that it's not uncommon and it's okay. I try to do my best. I try to also bring humor into play. I mean, you have to have fun as well. And I think the other thing is just so value the people that surround me. And, and if I, you know, happiness is something that guides me. And while I do very well at my job, I'm very fortunate in terms of in, income and such, if I ever just wasn't happy, I would do something different. That's just what has guided me through life. So, um, and I just feel like my, I have just been blessed on my journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate your points about like really thinking about what other people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things happen and mm -hmm. people react in a certain way and it has nothing to do with the situation. Right. Mm -hmm. It has something to do with, mm -hmm. you know, something much deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also appreciate your point about like having a positive uh, outlook on life. Like I think that, you know, the way, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we approach things from like a, a positive mindset um, versus like maybe a, scarcity mindset mm -hmm. or something like that really influences mm -hmm. like how then we behave yeah. and how we react and how we treat people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's just interesting because, you know, I think of some team members that have had some challenges um, that have been a part of my team had challenges over the last few years. And, you know, you would be surprised just because they put on a great facade, but there's some emotional or mental instability there that has, you know, just caused some challenges. And so that's why, you know, we talk about that a lot here. You know, how can we support our team members even more from an emotional, mental um, standpoint? And so wellness of all things considered, right? So we've been really working hard to identify even some more support systems and things of that nature. 
But, you know, I just, I just always think, you know, you just, you just don't know. You just mm-hmm. really don't know. And, and some people just, um, you know, have a better facade than others in terms of what, what may be going on inside. Sure. Well, National Bank, I know, experienced a tragedy in, in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, just a almost unspeakable tragedy with the, the shooting there. There's certainly no playbook for how you respond as a leader, but the response is so critical to the mm-hmm. people that, you know, mm-hmm. are in your care. Mm-hmm. Would, would you mind sharing a little bit about that experience and, mm-hmm. you know, what insights you had and what what helped? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the worst nightmare, um, literally the day after Easter. And we... Actually, several of us were in my office, members of the leadership team, and we received the call that something was happening in Louisville. Well, we thought that it was actually out on the street, that it was not a part of our building, was out on the street. And then we just kept on getting reports that it was it was bad, but still a little information. And so within minutes, there were three of us that left immediately and headed to Louisville and um, two colleagues. And then Jim Ryan, our CEO, was actually headed to a different location for an event and immediately turned around and headed to Louisville. And so there were four of us that literally didn't leave Louisville or would go there and come back each and every day until the last one of our team members were put to rest. And it was, there's, there's really no words to describe. And, and Tad, like you said, there's no playbook. And the thing that as, you know, we were sitting there and tremendous support from, I mean, I, I just can't even tell you the support that was granted to us from team members, from people we didn't even know. It was unbelievable. I mean, um, and we still feel that love, but really what guided us, and, and as I said, that Jim leaves his email every Friday with love, care, and support. Remember to love, care, and support. And so those are the three words that really just guided us. And so I'm sure we made mistakes, I'm sure. But I I will tell you, if from the effort and the care and the love, I mean, I, I just remember, you know, you think about when your heart hurts and it, literally there was, your heart hurt. It was so painful. And we just, we, we are just adamant. We will never let the memory of those five that we lost go. And then there's still, we have a lot of team members that are still going through tremendous suffering. And so we're there a lot. We were actually just there last week, and we just try to to do anything and everything we can to support them and realizing they're all in different spaces, good days, bad days. But I have to tell you, I think I was sharing this earlier with you, you you just, God works in uh, interesting ways. And I do think that from a leadership perspective, that people were placed where they're at for a reason. And, um, and when I talk about, you know, love, that love has just gotten so much deeper and stronger. And I think really that leading with love is, it, it has helped us tremendously through this, through this journey. So, and we, and we just, we, we will continue to be thoughtful and adamant to, to make sure that the memories are sustained and that we can te- continue to put our arms around those team members. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. I think Yes, sometimes as a as a leader, we want to figure out what are the what are the right steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, if we can if we can lead with love and empathy and concern mm-hmm. for those around us, mm-hmm. 
a lot of those steps come in, you know, they just, yeah. they come in place. And so, um, you know, and, and I think too that those team members that you're supporting there, mm-hmm. I mean, more than anything, they want to know that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. It, and, uh, and your presence is yeah. probably as important as anything. Yeah. You know, I also reflect on just the company and the people in this organization. And I mean, I just think about my team. Incredible. I mean, it was, it was 24 seven. I mean, it was just, just everything from, you know, we had uh, a vigil, we had, you know, just internal communication. We had communication with the families. We had, there was just so much and just people like, you just tell me what to do. Just, I'll do anything. you. And it was just absolutely incredible. And and to the point, I mean, I even think about here in Evansville, Mayor Lloyd, just such a one. I mean, immediately. I mean, we had people that were texting us immediately, like saying, what in the world can I do? Just let me know, or thoughts and prayers. And it it was really from across the nation. And that just, you think about, Obviously, the just the horrific act, but then you look at the flip side of it, and the love and care and support that we felt and continue to feel is incredible. And so you got to look at it on that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then back to just a mental illness is a horrible thing. And so you just you just think you know, but um, there's sometimes there's things inside someone that um, you're just not aware of, and so that's just the priority of ours as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's a hard hard topic to talk about and to share about. As you look back on your career as a leader, what what would you say are you most proud of? Like hmm. do you have some moments that and it could be anything, you know? Well, that's a good question. You know, I hope I'm I I tell everybody, um, you know, I have the best team in the organization and I probably do. And I'm just, I really am most proud of my team. I do. I have a great team. They're fantastic what they do. I think being nimble, I think you have to be nimble. There's been so many events and activities historically. You know, I think back to the Red Cross and lots of crisis uh, in terms of their September 11th, um, you know, floods, different disaster response there. And hopefully I've had positive impact in some of those those victims um, because that work definitely helped me. Um, from an from an emotional and, and standpoint, um, and so maybe it's just the hopefully I've had some form of impact, even if it's just on one person, because that definitely would be my desire. And I would say, interesting on the flip side, uh, if I think of pride, I have so much pride in my family and my kids. Uh, it's it's interesting. You thought you talk about people like what inspires you, and you know, you just think of the challenges that kids face nowadays. And now I have adult kids, of course, but. I'm just so inspired by my kids and I'm inspired by young people and just the fact that they've had to navigate a lot through the last three years and the resilience um, that they have. So, so yeah, I just, I just hope that in terms of pride, maybe just having hopefully some positive impact during my journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, as you look forward to the future, as a leader, we have to think about like, you know, how are we going to be remembered? What's our legacy? Mm -hmm. And it's easy to be driven by by profits and mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. you know uh, successes, but often the impact that we can have is like it, it's this real ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about like throwing a stone in a still pond and like mm-hmm. the ripples that come, that's that's in many ways the 
kind of symbolizes the impact because it's like our our employees, if they have a great experience, mm-hmm. then it like their life at home is better, right. and then they're you know the people that they touch right. and they interact with on a daily basis, their lives are better, and and so I, I love thinking about impact mm-hmm. as as a leader and and what that means and and you're right like young people have experienced i mean the last few years have been incredibly difficult yeah and mm-hmm. um and i think about my experience growing up it was those years were a lot easier than That's if i right. had been in college yeah uh 3 years ago that would have been a really mm-hmm. tough time yes i yeah i just you know i i have no aspiration to change the world. I'm, I'm doubt that I'm going to do that. But, you know, if you can have a positive influence and just have great comfort in, in laying your head on the pillow at night and, and doing so and, and being ethical and having integrity and being authentic, you know, I think those are really important traits. Um, then, and, you know, I feel like uh, in, in, from my own perspective, that's success. Sure. What are you most excited about right now? So it could be it could be at work, it could be personal mm. life, could be in the community. Oh wow! Well, I'm. I think I was sharing earlier. I'm going to be a grandparent again here in another couple of weeks. So there's nothing better than being a grandparent. So I have one Colton who's almost two, and then um, my daughter-in-law and son's about ready to have the second. So I'm really excited about, you know, having three adult kids and being a grandparent again, you know, from a work perspective, I'm just excited to get, have gotten through kind of the conversion. We're starting to level set in terms of the organizational structure, you know, that culture work is continuing on, but I feel really good where it's at. Uh, we just actually did a pulse survey with our team members and we're seeing, um, that, definite positive progress there in terms of engagement. So that's awesome because that's something obviously you want that continue to grow. And so looking forward to whatever that next, next thing is here. Growth is always a continued part of the organization. So just, you know, really excited. We've gotten through some, some hard things and some challenges and just looking forward to the future. Sure. Well, congratulations on the new grandbaby coming. Do we know if it's a boy or girl? We do not. Okay. Surprise. Surprise. Yes. Yes. That's a fun way to do it. It is just, we just want a healthy baby. That's, that's all we care about. Sure. Sure. And I'm, and I'm sure there's probably after, you know, after a merger a couple of years ago, now it's like, okay, we're hopefully settling into, Uh you know, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say routine, but yeah. we're settling in and some of the, the hardest work has, has taken place and you've set the stage for future success. Absolutely. I'm a knocking on wood. So uh, we, we open some of that hard work <laughs> and we're starting again, kind of kind of level set, if you will. But yes, that kind of or- organizational structure, everyone's getting kind of comfort, comfortable with their roles, communication process. I think, you know, we have a good you know, process in terms of communications you know, we're in kind of in the second phase of that culture shaping work. So really just pleased and, and blessed with, you know, where the organization is currently. Great, great. How can people find out more about Old National Bank or you? Yeah, well, you can go to oldnational.com. There's a lot of information out there. Um, we're also on social media. So we definitely celebrate everything from partnerships. We do education on social media and such. And then, you know, also there's some information about me on the website. I don't know that I'm that interesting, 
but uh, there is some information out there. But uh, yeah, we're just we're so blessed to be a part of this community, and we have just had great benefit over the last you know fifteen years and or eighteen years. I still I still can't believe I've been here so long. And uh, it's just been a it's been a great ride. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on leadership and culture. And uh, thanks for the great work that you do in our community and will continue to do. Thanks so much, Tad. Enjoy being here. Thank you. To learn more about Dr. Tad Dickel and the T.A. Dickel Group, please visit T.A. Dickel.com. Thank you for joining us.